Starting up with Virtue Zone on Dubai Eye 103.8. Indeed it is. We are back after a summer hiatus. Uh, good to be back for a brand new season. Starting up with Virtue Zone each and every Thursday when we come together with the good people from Virtue Zone to basically tell you how you can become your own boss. Hashtag be your own boss with Virtue Zone. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, meeting yet more inspiring pioneers, those that have been there, done that, those that are in the process of getting there and doing exactly that and those that are still sort of on the fence don't know whether to jump off or not uh, and get involved with their own vision well we've got the team uh, and of course uh, the ingredients to help you do that none more so uh, than the one and only neil petch who's alongside me and we're both we both survived the summer it's a miracle. We survived the summer and we survived Paris. We survived Paris. And the rugby. <laughs> we were both in Paris at the weekend. Um, or, or, or rather, has Paris survived us? <laughs> Indeed. The city of love, Tom. <laughs> it, was, it was a pleasure not being within touching distance of you. Uh, listen, it's uh, great to have you with us. I'm really looking forward to this one. And it's always a little bit of a challenge, isn't it, when you come back? But, I mean, you mentioned uh, the, the, the traffic a little bit earlier on. Um, and... Our first guest will be uh, licking his lips in anticipation at that traffic in just a few moments' time. But is it just me, or is it? Have you got this? Set, this town's busy all of a sudden. I oh, mean, yeah. it was busy before the summer. It just got busier. And look, I think we just we won a stat for being the least congested top ten city, and we're building roads every time. Yes, it's busy. Mm. So my. My trick, actually, talking about we've just come back from summer and there's going to be a few people out there going, oh, you know, it's the end of summer and the end of holidays. Look forward to the next thing. Yeah. And I was saying this to someone the other day and they said, and if you always have two things that you're planning, one could be personal, one could be business, that you're driving towards, that you have a, an objective, then you're going to be a happier person. If you're a happier person, you're better at what you do. So there you go. So look forward to the next thing, which is more traffic, more money. And you know what? I could even tell you that tax is a good thing. How about that? I like it. See, this is why this man comes in on a Thursday to, to put things into perspective for us. And let's get straight into it, if we can, on a brand new season of Starting Up with Virtue Zone. As always, get your thoughts into us, questions. You can text us now, 4001, WhatsApp 04871 We always kick things off uh, with our success spotlight. Easy for me to say. And this week has become an overwhelming our success spotlight guest. Uh, is uh, is a man is an organisation that has become an overwhelming success because it understands two things. Now, people in Dubai are time poor, and we love having things delivered. And when I say things, I mean like everything. It is, of course, uh, the petrol delivery company, the fuel fairies themselves. The good people at Cafu, which was started by Emirati entrepreneur Rashid Al Guerrer back in 2018. Since then, it's changed the fueling habits, not just of many residents here, but of many people around the world. Let's talk about the company's global ambitions. And joining us virtually is the man with a plan, the man that can, the man that has that huge fuel can, uh, fueling up your cars and fueling our ambition, the chief business officer at Cafu, Ala Al Huni, joining us live on the uh, line live on Microsoft Teams and live virtually. Allah, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Tom. As always, it's a pleasure to be on Dubai Eye. Thank you very much for having us. 
No, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Uh, and just, I mean, there we were talking about just how busy summer has been. We're talking about how busy the roads are. Uh, on those roads, I can see no shortage of Cafu trucks as well. Uh, put it into perspective, if you can. I mentioned there, Ella, when you and I first met back in, what, 2018 at the official launch, etc. Uh, from those humble beginnings, how big has the fleet become? So uh, the, the humble beginning started with about 20 trucks when we first launched in 2018. Uh, we have grown significantly since then. Uh, I believe this year over 41% increase in our trucks just in 2022 alone. I can't tell you the exact number this week. I could give you indicatively. We have over 500 different vehicles on our platform that are providing services to our customers. And... Uh, Uh, Another piece of news that I could share is we have recently signed a partnership with Emirates Transport to add over 400 additional special specification trucks to, to, to our platform and our ecosystem to provide additional services to our customers. The addition. So I'm, I'm hoping this helps give you indicatively the, the, the size and scale that we're growing at, the speed at which we're growing. And have you got a sort of grasp on how many people or how many customers are using the service at the moment? So uh, across overall, I can give you some indicative numbers that I know we've had uh, uh, probably by now over 800,000 registered vehicles on our platform. That's a number that, that, that I know that I could share. This is not just people who have downloaded the app. But these are people that download the app, uh, put in their information, register their vehicle on our platform. Um, and then obviously it, it changes a lot month on month. Uh, depending on the, the, the products and services. We don't just provide to B2C customers, so customers that will order us from home, but we also cater from a B2B perspective to a lot of the fleets that operate in the UAE today. Ala, you're an absolute, what you and Rashid have done, you're heroes to me. Personally, you've got me out of jail on a number of uh, occasions, <laughs> figuratively speaking, obviously. I, I am fascinated. Firstly, uh, which other countries does this exist in and do you have any plans to, to go international? So uh, absolutely, our, our, our intention is to take this international. Now, one thing we're very cognizant of is that it's not a one-size-fits-all. And for every single market, we would look at how would we be able to create a localized experience, a localized model for that specific market. So one of the success stories that we're very, very proud of is our launch in Canada. And this is a very, very similar approach where it's an on-demand service to our customers. But we, what we chose to do there is EV as opposed to fuel as the form of energy. Now, of course... This, this is aligned with the Canadians' market ad- adoption of EV vehicles and, 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 and zero emission uh, vehicles and their target. And that's why we launched with that. Now, what we believe we are doing is really a support of a mobile, scalable, modular and intelligent infrastructure that could connect to vehicles and provide that service to them. So we have launched in Canada. We've done it with EV. And we will be looking at launching at multiple markets, but in each one we will see what that specific market will require and how can we tailor it to them. Amazing. And Ala, your, your margins, you know, you, you must have an incredibly finely tuned operation because the prices that you're able to give us this personal delivery at 
are incredible. So I just wonder, with presumably people looking covetously at your business and wanting to replicate it, and how do you go about uh, you know, building that moat, making it difficult for competitors to come in and, and copy what you're doing? Because all the entrepreneurs listening to this show, that's one of their challenges. You know, If I'm going to invest in something, how do I protect my business from people just doing the same thing? Uh, Neil, this is an, an excellent question. You're absolutely right. Uh, what people don't realize is the back-end operation of, of, of Kapu. From an operations perspective, we're extremely efficient. Um, and we, we really invest in technology above and beyond everything else. So everything from AI and machine learning routing algorithms that help optimize the route and, and maximize uh, the efficiency in which our operations are, are being conducted to all the investment that, that we make, not just in the training of our pilots, but even in the technology behind the pilot apps and, and how we're able to, 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 to serve them, to better serve our customers. Um, and, and it's really technology where I think our investment is primarily focused and what creates that moat that, 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 that yeah. you're referring to. Um, and many people fail to recognize that. We are a tech company first and foremost. And then, you know, currently we have energy on demand. We have car wash, battery change, tire change, oil change, all the, the rest of the services. But at, at the core of what we are, we are a, 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 a technology company. Speaking of that, Alice, so, you know, for five years now, people have been saying data is the new oil. Well, you have data and you have oil. So can you give our listeners a sort of uh, a feel as, as to uh, the, the quantity and quality of data you have and, and how you use it to, to grow additional revenue streams? Uh, absolutely. And I think, look, this is an, an excellent question. First and foremost, we, we believe in our customers' data privacy above and beyond uh, anything yeah. else. And our approach here is really to ensure that we meet all global standards when it comes to customer data and we keep everything as anonymized as, as, as possible. Where we do end up leveraging the data for ourselves and to offer a better convenient service for our customer, I'll give you a perfect example is on our EV solution or some of the connected solutions that we have here where we're able to directly integrate with the vehicle. And when the vehicle fuel level sensor or battery charge level hits a specific threshold, it would notify the customer and notify them that they'd be able to just on a click of a button, order our CAFU service. And that would allow us to immediately go on and, and provide that, that service in, in a much more efficient way. Um, what we're aiming and hoping on doing on one day is for you to set and forget. So imagine if you never had to think about changing your tire again or you're waking up and there's a dead battery or that you're running out of fuel or running out of, of, of energy, uh, electric charge on your EV vehicle, that we'd be able to communicate directly with the vehicle and be able to just immediately provide that service without you having to think about it. It's right. extraordinary, isn't it? It is. Can I ask a branding question? Yeah. I, I, I suppose you don't need in some ways to advertise because you've got mobile advertising hoardings driving around all over the place. But I don't know if you heard uh, – I'd never heard it before. Tom described you guys as the fuel fairies, and you came to his rescue uh, last night. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking a fairy. You know, ask Alfred a little uh, – Tom, you could perhaps patent that uh, for Allah. What do you do about it? Where, where did the, the name Kafu come from? <laughs> so, so Kafu is a traditional word that's not just used in, in Dubai, but it's, it's used throughout the, the, the Gulf region. 
it, it, it's basically, we believe, a very empowering word that, that is utilized. When somebody goes above and beyond and, and provides mm -hmm. a hospitable service to you, and we strongly believe in that. That's at the core of what we do. We're really committed to our customers. We're really committed to providing an extremely convenient solution to them. And it's why we're so proud of it. It's also very catchy, very easy to, to say, not too long. And, and we, we're hoping to export that with the rest of, of our technology and everything that we've done to the rest of the world. Last question from Arsela, and I'll let you get back because I know it's busy times at the moment. Uh, today's big theme of the, of the show today is bootstrapping versus external funding. Uh, we know that Rashid, famously the founder of the uh, of Cafu, has solely funded the business thus far. Is that going to be the case moving forward and part of those expansions? And if it's not, uh, what do you look for in an investor? So I, I think this is an excellent question. And if I may, gentlemen, I really want to thank you for putting these type of topics at the forefront. I think it's critical for the entire ecosystem to understand how funding, fundraising works. It's really what, what supports it. So thank you for, for this question. Rashid, from the very, very beginning, uh, his vision was, was for sustainable growth. And we started that in 2018. We've been operating this way from the very beginning. And it proved out to be very beneficial to us when the markets actually took uh, a bad turn. We were never of the mindset of, of, of growing at any cost. We always aim to bootstrap and have been doing it all the way through and have been aiming for sustainable growth. So we haven't needed to go for equity funding per se, uh, the traditional way. And you're absolutely right. Rashid was very visionary and committed to seeing us to that, that, that vision. Um, what we have done is we've looked at alternative forms of funding that could help support the business in itself. And I urge every single listener on this call to try to understand all the different forms of funding that exist in markets. So yes, part of it can be equity VC fundraising. We have managed to raise debt. We've managed to take leases that help support. And we've managed to, 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 to grow in a very, very sustainable way and not get impacted. Our team has doubled this year alone in size. That's a testament to how successfully we've been growing. As many other companies were downsizing or right-sizing, letting people go, we've, we've almost doubled in size this year. And it is, it is really because we found the right way to scale, the right way to grow, the different forms of, of funding that we could find out there without diluting ourselves. Going into the future, we are interested in strategic partnerships. So those that understand the industry, understand where we're going, where we're going to be three years, five years, 10 years from today, and those that could add value to us and we could add value to them. It's not capital just for the sake of capital that moves the needle. Neither for us, and I don't think it should for anybody else. It's everything else behind that capital that can help support the companies as well. Alep, we won't keep you any longer. We can't thank you enough for your time uh, this afternoon. Huge thanks to you. Huge thanks to all the team at Kafu. Uh, thanks very much indeed for taking the call and for giving us your insight into this uh, very important topic today. And from all the team here at Starting Up, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Have a great day. Thank you. Uh, great to hear there from Alep uh, for joining us live on the line. This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Hey, good to have you here on Starting Up with Virtue and live on Dubai Eye. It's Tommy Yu with Neil P. Uh, all the way through till 2 o'clock. Uh, now let's talk about something that all ex expats have to go through in order to live and work here in the UAE. Uh, it is the medical fitness test. Um... Has it? I mean, before we get into the experts' view in just a few moments' time, I mean, obviously, 
in your line of work, uh, Mr P, this is something that you and your team sort of deal with in the uh, setting up of businesses, the dealing with visas, etc. Has it evolved? Has it got easier or not? Is it still... Um, no, we try rough we, old we, injection at some point. We we tried to uh, get involved with a company that was encouraging. I think Discovery are the company from South Africa who incentivise you to get fit, and and so we you know we actually we have a team badminton evening this evening. So we're trying to get fit in oh, fit in yeah. mind and fit in body and all of that sort of thing. But uh, I think there's a lot of, there's, there is a lot of innovation. It's still not as easy as we would like it to be. So we're, we're here to learn from our guests. Indeed we are. How has the medical, fe- medical fitness test evolved over the years? Have new visa regulations affected the process? To answer these questions and more, uh, CEO of Smart Salem. In fact, you've probably been to one of their centres if you've renewed your visa recently. A warm welcome to the show to Sanjay Verma. Sanjay, thank you so much indeed for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so to that point, has it evolved over the years? So many other services have. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, of course, when we talk about medical fitness, we're talking about the tests you have when you're looking to become a resident or a new residency and you're, you're going through the visa process. Has it changed? Yes, absolutely. Nice and day. So I think if you look, uh, you know, I, I've personally been uh, in the region for a few years, but not decades. But if you look, I think, to anyone who's been here for a while, you know, this is a process that would have traditionally taken, you know, maybe an hour or a couple of hours to go through. And then, you know, you'd be waiting days for your results. You know, if you come to Smart Salem these days, you sort of pull up and there's valet parking outside. The end-to-end process takes just 10 minutes, which is blistering fast. And, you know, within 10 minutes, you're back in your car on the way home. I've got to, um, I've got to give a personal reference. I kept, beginning of COVID, I came in and, you know, in England, no one could see their parents or, or their best mates. And I posted a video didn't touch a single human being, and that's a that's good right. thing. And a robot brought me a coffee. That's right, yeah. And I, I posted the, place the video, the and everyone in England was like, what is Dubai <laughs> doing? <laughs> well, but, but exactly, that's exactly it. Good coffee as well, Tom. <laughs> yeah, it, it genuinely is, that's right. Uh, we, we, we shopped around. But um, yeah, that's right. So it's sort of results in 10 minutes, or rather the, the whole end-to-end process in 10 minutes, you get your results in 30 minutes. And we have an agreement now with uh, uh, Emirates for biometrics, which means, you know, arguably, well, not even arguably, you know, likely you can go through the whole process if you're new to country in an hour. So all of those physical touch points that you have to go to as a new, a new, a new arrival in Dubai, one hour, which is just unbelievably fast. So it's, so, so it's night and day. It helps yeah. us massively because obviously what we're trying to do is help people, global business leaders from all over the world, be able to set up in the UAE. And one of the challenges used to be you have to do the medical test and you have to stay in the country That's right. and wait. Yeah. And, and, and so it really slowed everything down. So not so many, not such a great percentage of people would adopt setting a company up here. Now, with what you're doing, it's so thank you very much for some of my <laughs> business. <laughs> what you're both saying there is it sort of addresses a couple of the issues that seem to circle around things like medical tests and other forms you have to do, which is A, efficiency, which you've said it's getting people in and out as quickly and efficiently as possible. Possible. That's right. And too intimidating because it used to be intimidating. Going to a government hospital, etc., was yeah. intimidating. You've so, taken that away. Yeah. So, so I guess it's the other kind of major component of our business, which is, you know, it's just they're just incredibly nice places to be. You know, you, you, you sort of pull up. They're comfortable. They're well designed. We have, um, you know, very well trained staff who will treat you in a very sort of friendly manner and greet you warmly. And really, the, the analogy I like to use is, you know, it's, it's a bit like flying business class with Emirates. You know, you, you know when you're, uh, you know when you're sort of uh, not with Emirates, 
because you get you get greeted a certain way and we have all the tech and sort of you know all of the sort of automation but we don't lose the human touch mm. um so it's a family friendly environment it's very it's a very nice environment deliberately so very yeah we work very hard to create that that environment but not intimidating at all you know really kind of a friendly open actually two place brilliant to companies there's there's your own and, and vfs both uh, uh headquartered in in dubai and both things yep. that could be launched globally i believe you're you're going into saudi arabia or looking at saudi arabia right? uh, yeah that's right yeah so saudi being kind of you know gcc has kind of similar similar sort of tests and procedures you know same same but different so a little bit done a little bit differently to the uae but um yes we were, we're sort of uh, we've announced that we're, we're entering the saudi market we're in sort of in the process of uh, planning our first first centers there now how has um, we sort of touched on it at the top in terms of the fact that the the visas themselves and the the choice of visas has evolved with goldens greens yeah. uh, all the other bits yeah. pieces that affected business in any way yeah i mean absolutely and I, I'm, I'm sure i'm sure um, uh, neil would have felt this too but and, and and so would many of your your guests but you know as you guys said right you know you, you kind of go through the streets of dubai right now and it's busy you know, we know we know that summer's over, but beyond that, you know, you can really feel the energy and the optimism and the busyness on the streets. You know, it is getting busy. People are coming to the country. You know, it's clearly a great moment for Dubai and for the UAE. Um, you can see the influx of of new 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 uh, population and new inhabitants, and that all kind of feeds into this sort of eco, very positive ecosystem of. You know, we're getting busier. There are more visas available. The, it's easier in some ways to get visas for a lot of people. Um, you know, that, that kind of encourages people to the country, encourages new business setup. And so it becomes this really sort of virtuous circle. And, you know, we've benefited from that as much as, you know, anyone else. It's, it's been a really great moment for us. And we've had, we've had a really sort of strong year because of it. You and your business depend heavily on working closely with government departments. We do. And I'm sure that a lot of questions you get is like, Ooh, what's that like? You know, how do you deal with that, etc.? I mean, has that become a, a seamless sort of uh, a relationship moving forward? And is it something that you're evolving with the sort of future-proofing the business moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say we're, we're very lucky to have our relationship with Dubai government. So we work in particular sort of, close with, uh, sort of closely with um, DHA and, and, and DAC. Um, you know, it's a bit of a double-edged sword in some ways because, you know, Dubai government, I think, is very open and positive and forward-thinking. And, you know, the longer I live here, the more more impressed I am by the country. I just – I think, you know, I think that's sort of the – the tone, we, the tone in which we live is, is brilliant. But at the same time, Dubai government is a regulator. And so, you know, we operate a, a, a PPP with Dubai government, so we're in partnership. And I think the nice thing about that is, you know, it, it creates this brilliant dynamic where we can really sort of push the boundaries. We can innovate, which is what we do constantly. We constantly have a backlog of ideas that we'd love to bring to the market. We, we sort of can't move fast enough to do it. Um, but, but, you know, it, by working in partnership, we can bring that new thinking. We can bring those new ideas. You know, uh, Smart Salem in concept itself was a new idea brought to Dubai government. And we find Dubai government to be very supportive and welcoming. And, and again, we really value that, that sort of um, symbiotic relationship. Got about 30 seconds left. I mean, you mentioned there Saudi Arabia and uh, plans uh, eyeing a uh, uh, move into the market there. But what else does the future hold for Salem? I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty obsessed with diversification. So we want to make, you know, we want to make medical fitness and occupational health, which we're also about to launch. You know, our, our core business, we want to make it the very best it can be. We're also diversifying into wellness and general health. So, you know, an idea being that we already do this very effectively. As long as you have to come to us and as long as we're putting a needle in your arm, let us take a little bit of extra blood and very conveniently without any clinical procedures, further clinical procedures. You know, we can run all sorts of health checks. We can give you results over the phone. Wow. So for those people who are time poor, the sort of the, the ex-Big Four or the Big Four consultants who are off running around the GCC, you know, we can give results back sort of virtually. So there's, there's a whole vast kind of array of stuff we're working on. But generally, you know, really kind of thinking about how we can deliver, 
you know, a great set of wellness products. Can't thank you enough for coming on in and explaining a bit more. If people want to find out more about your services, best way they can do? Walk in the door. No bookings needed. We can, we can help you. But I love it. It's a government, essentially a government product, but you innovate. Constantly. There's not many people that can claim that around the world. Sanjay, we can't thank you enough. Sanjay Verma, CEO of Smart Salem. As he said, open door policy, walk in the door, say hello, good coffee. Speak to the robot. Great Bob's coffee. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Pleasure. You're listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business setup with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, starting up with Virtue Zone. SUV all the way through till two o'clock this afternoon uh, with myself uh, and alongside me, of course, the chairman of Virtue Zone, Mr. Neil Petch. Uh, we're both back from the summer. Uh, we are reinvigorated and ready to go for what's going to be a busy season. Full of vim and vigour. Exactly that, mm-hmm. yeah. See, that's a good name for a restaurant. <laughs> vim Can I put and that one Yeah, quite right too. Um, right, great business ideas. If you've got one, great. Uh, but you've got that great business idea and you're finally going to put it into action. You're an entrepreneur after all. That's why you're listening to us here on a Thursday afternoon. And one of the most important decisions is... How am I going to pay for it? How are you going to fund it? Uh, we've been getting the thoughts of Dr. Imran Zawar, Associate Professor of Business Strategy and Innovation at Strathclyde University. Uh, here's a few ways from him to seeking funding for a startup. The choice of funding often depends on your business model, industry, growth stage and funding needs. Here are three common options I share with my friends and colleagues. To start, I ask them to start living on a diet of instant noodles and stretching personal savings. We call this bootstrapping. And this involves using your own savings or revenue generated by the business to fund its growth. The second most common method is convincing your friends and family that your startup is the next big thing. Just be prepared for those awkward family dinners. And finally, most people go out for this option is trying to seek out wealthy individuals who can sprinkle angel dust, uh, inverted commas, money on your startup. We call it the angel investors route. And that's Dr. Imran Zawar of Strathclyde University. Let's talk to someone now who's had a great deal of experience when it comes to seeking funding for the start for his startup. Uh, in fact, he's currently still on that journey. Alexander Swade is the co-CEO and co-founder of Loon Technologies. Loon, to date, have secured in the region of 850,000 US dollars in funding. Uh, but as we say, the, the journey continues. Alexander, thank you so much indeed for joining us on Starting Up. Not at all. Thank you for having me on. Um, listen, the business is is fascinating. You started, I believe, back in, what, 2020, round about then, with your co-founder. Then you had to pivot as well. So, interested, you're listening on there to Dr. Imran with his three great ideas. Um, How many of those sort of rang true when it came to the pivot? I mean, I think we went through each phase (laughs) quite sequentially. Um, So, as with, I think, not many startups, but the sort of strongest ones, we started off with our own money. Um, we burned through a lot of our own savings. That was quite a difficult experience given the fact that we had quite a lot of tough lessons to learn. Um, I think a lot of people, the second they see startup, think that you're very well funded and therefore able to deploy a lot of cash. So we made a lot of those mistakes, but we're quite proud it was on our own dime and not somebody else's. Um, we then did do a friends and family round and 
what kind of showed us the feedback that we were receiving from the market was the fact that some people said yes, a lot of people said no, and we constantly kind of needed to adapt um, as we went through the f- different funding. So we did get angel money. We did get friends and family money. We also got um, VCs on board ultimately. Mm. And that was, I mean, the biggest kind of validation for us. I think the one thing that a lot of people think is that it's you know quite a simple, straightforward process, but in reality, it can take a lot of time. So let's just focus on that time because uh, what's the most difficult part of the business growth? Is it a lot of people saying it's just getting it off the ground? But then again, I suppose you don't need a huge amount of capital to get an idea off the ground. But in order to evolve that idea, in order to grow the business, is that when the capital comes in? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the idea because I'd say there are two types of businesses. There are those that are great businesses and that can grow quite organically. I mean, we've seen huge success stories for a lot of the companies across the region and especially in the UAE that went from small sort of single shops to massive institutions. Um, Whereas the other end is where I see venture capital sort of or venture backed ideas, which are this is an idea that's either going to be zero or a billion dollar company. Mm. And I think that's where venture capital really plays because that's where the kind of capital allocation should go. Alex, we had uh, Allah from CAFU talking to us earlier and he two things resonated for me. He said, try not to dilute. So use your own money as, as you did. And secondly, look for strategic in, investment. So in, in your case, uh, uh, do, do you mirror that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So we tried to dilute as little as possible. And we also looked specifically for people who can add value to the business. Um, I think one mistake a lot of people make is they sort of just take any money they can get and at any valuation. So we've turned down money before, uh, either because we didn't agree with the dilution terms or we didn't see value in the partner. And if you don't really see value in the partner, you're just kind of, it's a little bit like putting a plaster on an open head wound you're not solving the problem for the long term and you're really opening up problems kind of going forward yeah i completely agree i mean in some ways the more money you raise the more problems you have if you don't know how to how to spend it yeah absolutely i mean what about the sources of that money i mean uh, when when uh, mr p neil was talking there about the more money you raise i mean we've all talked about the different sources you can get that money do you run into a problem if you've got so many different sources of money and therefore keeping so many people happy and explaining to things people so many times is it is it good to try and get the money from fewer or more sources i think again it goes back to the strategic point if you can get a lot of people on who can add value and i mean that through business uh, introductions or guidance or mentorship all of which we've really benefited from i mean we've had some people who have taken that chance on us and that's really been a blessing Um, But I've also seen sort of people just kind of collecting names because they're trying to fill up their next round. And then they end up with some serious hitters on their uh, cap tables who really want their returns now. Mm -hmm. And if you don't provide that to them, and that comes with a lot of sort of requirements and chains and uh, things that you need to make sure that you deliver on. It's very easy to end up chasing the dragon and just spending all your time raising money and getting obsessed by it. You need to run your business. That's the most important thing. Uh, To that end, um, 
there is the old adage in business, isn't it, that never work with family or friends. Um, but when it comes to funding, it's one of the three that has been mentioned there as well, something that you've mentioned as well. How do you navigate what could be a difficult conversation when it comes to family and friends? Is it, do you set up a different structure when borrowing for family and friends than you would do from external funding? So I think there's a couple of things. One, I've gone against that expression because my co-founder is someone I've known since I was 16. So we're best <laughs> friends there, um, which has been a blessing and a curse in a lot of ways. But I think we have a fantastic working relationship that I'm very proud of. Mm. In terms of taking money from family and friends, I think as long as your intentions are to actually build a business and create something, and they understand the risks that this is a venture capital investment, right? It's high risk, high reward. Then usually it's okay. That's how we've navigated it. We've always been very clear, you know, this is a moonshot, but we believe it'll work and here's why. And often that's been what has got us across the line. It's not sort of saying, come on, mum, please, I really need this money or come on, dad or brother or uncle or whatever. Question. Um, One of the themes of the show today has been the traffic outside and just how busy this town is at the moment. Now, that seems to have been driven by a lot of people seeing what Dubai, the UA, the region is delivering at the moment. And unfortunately, with that comes a lot of the misconceptions that money grows on trees here. I haven't found that tree yet. Have you found that tree yet? I have several people in my family that think it's in my back garden, (laughs) but no. (laughs) So it's in Neil's back garden. Great. Okay. There is this idea. How's that affect the fundraising landscape here at the moment when you've got organizations like you, individuals like you that have been here for quite some time and know the landscape well? Yeah. Is it diluting it, I suppose? I think it dilutes it because there is this concept that, you know, oh, well, they're a Dubai company or they're a regional company. They must be flush with cash. Um, I mean, my LinkedIn every day is filled with people from around the world saying, we'd love to offer you this service for this low, low price, which is very, very high amount. Um, At the same time, I think the reality of the region is that VC is still quite a new space here. It's definitely matured very quickly in the last 12 months. And startups have been blossoming. I mean, we all know the kind of usual names that come up. Mm. But I don't think that we're at the point of, say, the US where there's so many VCs and so many people and everyone has a chunk of change that they're saying, okay, well, I'm just going to back someone. Mm. Um, But we're definitely getting to a point of maturity where people do see huge value in this market. You seen that? I have, and I think a few golden tips for people because uh, um, it it is still a nascent market. But when you launch your company, already be thinking about what the exit is. So you mentioned cap table, get your structures right, make sure all your agreements are in place, these things that build value that sound obvious, but so many entrepreneurs forget because they're in a rush. I was blessed the fact that my co-founder is also a lawyer, so he's been uh, very on top of the agreements and legalities. Have you read your shareholders' agreement? Yeah. <laughs> I think I need to review it one more time. Well, the, the one that's 78 pages long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, last one from you, if we may. For a man that's uh, been there, done that, has been in the business here, has been in the process of sort of fundraising and has a good take on it and also has seen that sort of market evolve. For those listening in, again, a lot of would-be Uh, entrepreneurs listening in, a lot of entrepreneurs going through the same process. What's your advice when it comes to starting? I was going to say comes to starting a business here. More about keeping a business afloat here when it comes to funding. 
Yeah, I think for us, the main thing is, and this is something I think a lot of entrepreneurs forget, especially when they're in the thick of it, is you started this business for a reason. You mm -hmm. believe in this business for a reason and you're still doing it for a reason. So if that, if you maintain that and keep that in the back of your mind, you just need to keep going a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to take a lot of no's. I mean, we've received more no's than yeses by far. And I think we've kind of got to the point where we expect the no, but often get the yes. So sort of prepare for the worst, but expect the best kind of thing. Listen, Alexander, we can't thank you enough for coming in um, and uh, talking to us about the journey, the journey that continues at the moment. Um, a quick one for those that have been listening in, want to find out more about Loon Technologies, want to find out more about what you and your co-founder do. How do they find out the details? So they can go to our website, www.loondata.io. Um, or they can reach out to us on LinkedIn. We're all over that as well. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can filter through those LinkedIn posts yeah, that yeah. you're getting at the moment. Uh, can't thank you enough. Alexander Suede is the, the co-CEO and co-founder of Loon Technologies. Thanks so much indeed for joining us. Thank you for having me on. This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Well, that's about it from us. Uh, Neil and myself will be wrapping things up. Uh, ordinarily, uh, we'd look back at uh, uh, some of the big talkers of the show itself, but we'd like to add something a little bit different to the end of the show these seasons. Yeah, Neil and I will wrap things up. But Zina Zalamea, the philosopher, the great... Filipino philosopher Zina Zalamea has decided that we should end each week with a quote to inspire us. I love that Filipino philosopher that alliterates. The Filipino philosopher once known as no, um, as a Filipino philosopher once said, uh, "This week's quote is, quote is from Henry Ford, the founder of the Ford Motor Company." You might have heard of them. And this week's quote is: "Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right." <laughs> there we go. Like it. Anything that says you're right at the end addressed to me is magnificent in my book. <laughs> uh, well, that's the latest from uh, the Ford Motor Company. What's uh, the latest from Virtue Zone? I'm going to Ford, so I'm going to toot my own horn. Quite Tom. right, too, mate. Yesterday, my new partner, Virtue Zone's new partner, Toko, was interviewed from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. No Why? Because Dubai, and here's a little forecast, Dubai is going to become the world centre of raising funds. We've just been talking about raising funds using technology, tokenization. Toko, funded, supported by D.L. Piper, one of the leading law firms in the world, Registered at VARA, which is leading the way in, in terms of how you regulate crypto Web3 funds, Toco launched out of there. So what they've done with us is we're going to go out to entrepreneurs that have set up through VirtuZone and enable them to raise cash by tokenizing 5, 10, 15 percent of their business, which means that you can do it much faster, cost less money. So you've got access to cash to grow. Toco, go and have a look at them. Uh, and if you want to find out more, listen back to uh, the interview with the uh, founder, your mate, uh, my mate, um, everyone else's mate, Toko, recently relocated from Hong Kong, came onto the business breakfast earlier on this there week. We really nice guy. Karma. He's awesome, isn't really he? Really nice guy. And a great idea as well, um, uh, bringing that to market. And great kudos to um, the digital token platform, which is obviously growing here at the moment. You know everything, Tom. Don't know I just everything. can't slip anything down. Don't know who's going to win the Rugby World Cup at the moment. 
moment. <laughs> I haven't got any f- further after weekend one. It's not going to be Ireland. They've peaked too early. <laughs> really? Message for Rob Norton. <laughs> Listen, uh, thanks so much indeed to all of you for your messages. Uh, remember, hashtag be your own boss. That's the hashtag to get in touch with Neil and the team at Virtue Zone. You can also call them 04457 WhatsApp them on 445 Or, of course, probably best to reach out online. Um, enjoyed that. It's good to be back. Be your own boss, Tom. I will try my best. That's what I'll I'll tell, tell the wife when I get home a little later on. Uh, thank you very much indeed for your time. Uh, shall we do this again next week? Thank you kindly, sir. One o'clock, it's a date. Thursdays, one through to two. Uh, it is starting up with Virtue Bye-bye.